Well, as we near the end of our unqualified series, this is part six, um, I want us to begin to wrap our heads around the thing that I've been challenging us in for the last four or five weeks, which is simply this. There are believers in Jesus, people who make a confession of faith, that they make some sort of pledge commitment to believe something that God changed their life, right? To, to move from a place of belief of like, oh, I believe that, to a place of deep, deep conviction, which is I will believe it, and then because I believe it, I'm going to do something about it. That's the continuum that every person finds themselves on as an unqualified, selected agent of shalom and flourishing in the city kind of believer in Jesus. That's what each one of us is called to do, is figure out how do we move a little bit closer towards being who Christ called us to be. That's the idea. So I want us to think about that this morning. What's the thing that you can do in your journey with Jesus today to move just a little bit closer to looking like him when you leave here on Sunday afternoon? What is that thing? What's the dream? What's the hope? What's the thing that God has called us to that might scare us and call uh, us to, to trust him? to guard our past, to guard the things that make us feel unqualified. Because if we think about it, we all have a dream, we all have a hope, but then we remember the things that we've done, the places we've been in life that we think, because I've been here, I can't possibly do that. But Jesus qualifies the unqualified people. He chose the unlikely. He invites us in from a place of simple belief to a place of deep conviction. This deep conviction says this, that every what needs a why. Disciples in Jesus know this to be true, that every what needs a why. What? I go to church. Why? What? I read the word. Why? What? I love my neighbor. Why? We have to have a why behind the what at all times because disciples in Jesus know why they believe what they believe and they find the courage to act upon those beliefs. That's what disciples do. This transformation happens through two different kinds of baptisms. And we're going to conclude the second part of the first part of last week's message, which was called Under the Influence. We've been talking about water baptisms. We had some pretty cool water baptisms last week, right? we got some pictures of that up there, if you want to throw that up there for us. There we go. Thank you. Uh, we had last week, we had Isaac got baptized, Nathan got baptized, Vaughn got baptized. There's a baptism. There's something that happens in a believer's life that moves them into fully formed disciples of Jesus. And baptism, I will suggest today, is the gateway. How come? Why baptism? That's what we're going to look at today. Why baptism? In this message, part two, under the influence. As I was thinking about that this week, why baptism, this thought came to mind. And the thought is this. It has to do with the greatest cost of following Jesus. I would imagine, surmise for myself, that the greatest cost for me in following Jesus is the cost to part ways with my understanding of how things should go. For me, that's why baptism, because I have a way of thinking that's very self-centered, that's very self-focused, that's very narcissistic. Well, how will this impact me? I make decisions all the time in my own strength, in my own understanding, and usually I'm at the epicenter of that decision, and my best interest is at the epicenter of that decision. 
But the Lord calls us to something else because his word tells us a little bit about our plan compared to his plan. Proverbs 4:12 says that there is a way that seems to be right. Anyone ever thought of that? Oh, there's a, I know what. There's a way that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. You're like, oh, shoot. Right? Like, how many times do I act on the plan that seems right? And in the end, it leads me towards death. And not the death that resurrects me with new life in Christ, but the death that kills me. The death that breaks down my relationships. The death that leaves me depressed and hurting and poor because I kept me at the center of my universe. Right? This confessing Christ, this baptism that we celebrated last week, this water baptism, is a declaration publicly of war. It's a declaration of war against our flesh. It's a declaration of war against our plan. It's a declaration of war against our understanding. Why do we get baptized? Because we know that in and of ourselves, we will wreck ourselves. And so we need to die daily to the way that we think things need to go so that we can do things the way that he has promised they could be if we would trust him according to his understanding, which is going to leave me in uncomfortable places because I'm going to have to trust what he's doing even when I don't feel like it's the right way to go. Amen? Why baptism? You see, this following after Jesus, this purposeful denial of self, which is what he has called us to, this pursuit of peace and prosperity of peoples and cities, this is no joke. To pursue those things means that we're going to have to put some stuff down. You know, there's a reason why Jesus had his disciples follow him. There's a reason why he didn't just send them off in their own strength. Because he knew that in their own strength and in their own understanding that nothing good for the kingdom could possibly come. Because it would be all about me. All about us. All about my comfort, my goodness, my glory, my reputation, my pride. Anyone recognizing me. Me is a folly that leads to death. And that's what I understand when I'm under his influence. John fifteen five through 8. Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If, so this is like one of those choose-your-own-adventure stories. Anybody like those? <laughs> choose-your-own-adventure. That's cool, because walking out our faith with Jesus, he's like, dude, do what you feel like, man. There will be consequences. There will be rewards, but <laughs> he ain't, we'd say autopilot. Just a side note, have you, have you guys, did you see this on the news? That some people are starting to fall asleep in their cars that drive themselves? Have you seen this? So people are videotaping, so they're driving and they're videotaping some, don't just stay off the freeways. Because what's happening now in our nation, hey, come on in. I got you way here. What's happening now in our nation is people are driving down the highways and some people with the fancy drive themselves cars are reclining and falling asleep while their car is going down the freeway at 60 miles an hour. And the guy next to him, while he's driving his car, is filming that guy. <laughs> Autopilot. <laughs> Choose your own adventure, right? We have to make choices. We can't just go on autopilot. We can't just, oh, I, I just trust and God's going to take care of everything. It requires faith. He will take care of everything. But he wants us to be engaged in the life that he's called us to live 
So don't fall asleep in your car driving down the road. Don't fall asleep in your faith. Don't hit cruise control. Because cruise control leads me back to my own understanding. But he gives us an adventure. He says, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Whatever I wish? Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. For this is to my Father's glory, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Methetes, that word that's used 269 times in the gospel, compared to the word Christianos, which is used three times. It's much easier to be a Christian than a disciple because it requires much less to be a Christian. But to be a disciple requires that we would bear much fruit. It requires that we would pick up our cross. It would require that we get ourselves out of the way so that His will, His understanding, His good pleasure, His plan can be accomplished. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What conjures up in your imagination when you think about things like that? Things like this? This is part of the problem. I think the way that we've lost our way in the Western church is we read that passage. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And he goes on to say, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We look at it that way because we spend more time watching Disney than we do reading our Bibles. We live in a culture where everything caters to us. We can't help it. We were born here. We breathe this affluent air of everything's provided for me. I don't have any problems. It's just here. I don't worry about what to drink or what to eat or what to wear or how to get in my car. It'll drive me places all on its own. I can just fall asleep. Ask whatever I wish. I want a new car. I want a new house. Lord, I want a new job. I'm I'm just not satisfied. I'm not happy. Ask whatever you wish in my name and it will be done for you. But it's not this kind of wishing. We've interpreted the promises of Jesus through the lens of our own flesh, the lens of our plan, the lens of our own way. But when we are baptized, this word in the Greek, baptismo, which means to come under the influence of, to be submerged into, to come up different when we are baptized not into our own thinking, but when we are baptized into water so that we might die with Christ and be resurrected again. Paul says that we carry around the death of Jesus daily so that the life of Christ might also be displayed in us. But it's going to require this carrying around of a death, of death to our own understanding, a death to our own way. But when we do, a new life comes that's far beyond what we could ever ask for or imagine. When we are baptized, we come under the influence of Jesus in the power of His Spirit. If you remember nothing else, it just makes us do things a little bit differently than we did before. It means that we act with the best interests, not of ourselves, but of the kingdom of heaven in mind. What could I do today that would be best for the kingdom? Not myself. 
I see these graduates doing it all the time. What can I do for somebody else? How can I serve? How do I help? How do I reach others? When Bubba's over there working with Casino Road Kids Ministries on Monday nights and Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and giving and pouring out into others. And Jose's got a, a burden for kids in the neighborhood. These, it's happening, right? It's happening right now. But that's the kind of way that we go. When we ask in his name for whatever we want, he will give it to us as long as we are baptized into his influence. Because when we're baptized into him, we start asking for different stuff. Don't you know we ask for different stuff when we're baptized into him? We think, we say, we do things differently than we did previously when we're under his influence. Have you ever been with someone who was coming off a hangover? <laughs> ever been there at 12.45 p.m. on Saturday morning? Remember? Those days, those friends. Remember? Those moments. And you're there and they were like, what did I say? No. What did I, what did I, what did I do? What was I thinking? These moments, these regrets, these mornings after. The influence of things that are not the influence of the Spirit of God. What did I do? The fruit, because it says, the word says that we will bear much fruit. The fruit of that old way of living is immorality, it's selfish ambition, it's rage, it's broken relationships. But the Lord says there's a new baptism. There's something else that you can come under the influence of. To come under the influence of the Holy Spirit is to wake up with the same kind of questions, just in an entirely different context. Did I, did I really forgive that person? Wow. That, and that's okay. That's a, that's a healthy pride. Like, Wow. I'm growing in my faith. I'm moving from a believer to a disciple because I'm actually doing stuff. Like, forgiving people when they wrong me. I wouldn't have done that in my own flesh. But when we're baptized in the Spirit, we're thinking about the well-being of the person that harmed us and the shame that they carry until we forgive them. So we're like, I want them to experience the same freedom I got. So yes, you're forgiven. Power, gospel, hope, life, joy, peace, baptism. Coming under the influence of Him. Did I, other question, did I really just commit myself to a week at junior high camp as a leader? I've heard people say stuff like that. Did I really just commit myself to living at a rescue mission in downtown Seattle with drug addicts for a week? Who does that? Who does that? We go to the mission and the people in the mission look at us and say, what are you doing? You know there's bed bugs. All right then. Our actions prove our beliefs. There's nothing stronger than the hope of the gospel when we lay down something that is owed to us in this world for the betterment of another person with no return on the investment in this life. When we start doing stuff like that, the city starts giving parks away to us. Police officers start showing up to set up tents. And people we pay rent to start saying, keep your money for the summer. We just love what you're doing. So we could spend it on a picnic or we could spend it on the Word of God and put it into the hands of little kids so that Jose can start a small group. Uh-oh, I just said it. Start a small group, Jose. To much whom is given, to whom much is given, much is required, sir. Yeah, I see you grinning. It's going to happen. 
Vaughn's going to do it. <laughs> he's going he's to help you learn to lead a small group with third graders. With third graders. Okay? It will be. That is what will happen. The Lord looks at things that, that aren't and calls them out as if they were. That's why we gather here. Why about the what is so that we can give prophetic words and encourage each other. That's why we're here. When we surrender our lives to Jesus and when we are baptized in water, what we are saying, why baptism? Why did we do that last week? What we are saying in that moment is, God, I need you to come into my life in clean house. It's the public confession of a private declaration. In private, we told the Lord that we wanted to follow him. Then in public, three young men made a declaration in front of a hundred other people and said, I am following Jesus. There is no turning back for me. And now it's on videotape. It's on the internet, Vaughn. Everybody knows now. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I like that, right? It's good. We're asking the Lord to come in and right the wrongs and rearrange our priorities. I want different influences. When you say in your word that I can ask for whatever I want and you'll give it to me, I want to be asking for different stuff. I want to be asking stuff that will benefit the kingdom. And the joy of mine will be to see the joy of others finding Christ. That's all I want. Have the world. Take it. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. The cross before me, which means daily I keep dying. It doesn't mean it stops being painful. Being a disciple of Jesus will bring pain, will bring discomfort, will bring heartache. Not even Jesus in the flesh solved all the social problems in the city. He went anyways. Now, praise be to God in the gospel that he solved everything after death for us so that we could live a new life in him today. But it's come to my attention that many, because they think they can't fix it, stop trying to be present in it. Right? I hope we all take this mental health first aid class at some point. Twenty-two people took it yesterday, seven in our church. We're going to do it again in the winter on a day that's not graduation weekend, Father's Day, and the beginning of a beautiful summer. So, But thank you for those who came. We will do it on a rainy, cold day in January, and we can all come. <laughs> the hard thing about these mental health first aid classes is they're hard to sit through. Yeah. Bring ice cream. Bring ice cream, 2 p.m. Yep, ice cream, 2 p.m. Inside joke. Come, we'll get you inside jokes. Yes, we'll do that. The difficult things about these classes is they're hard to pay attention to. They're hard to watch. It's hard to sit and watch somebody in pain, even on a video, dealing with things that are very, very difficult. It's a heavy thing. If you watch Seattle is dying, it was a heavy thing. And sometimes we want to just turn ourselves off to it. But the Lord says, no, 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 get in that mess. I got in it. You get in it. Be my disciple. Pour your life out for somebody else. So he rearranges our priorities. So with rearranged others-focused priorities, which is find yourself on this map. If you're not there yet, if you're not done with yourself yet, that's okay. Jesus will do a work in progress. He will continue it forward to the day of Christ Jesus, the work that he began in us. 
So it's okay. Be where you are. But if you're ready to say, you know what? Nothing in this world satisfies for me any longer. I have to be about the goodness and the peace and prosperity of the city, and I'm in. Then this is it. With rearranged priorities, we start asking for different stuff. We ask for a second baptism. There's a water baptism that says, I want more of you in me. The second baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is characterized as, as, as laid out in Galatians 5.22 by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Ask for whatever you wish, and when we surrender our lives to Jesus, His influence has an impact on the kind of wishing that we invest ourselves into. It changes everything when we begin to invest in His kind of wishing. What if we wished for an outpouring of the Spirit from our lives? Last week we talked about Three major Jewish festivals that took place in Jerusalem. Here's the teaching part. Here's the Bible. Here's the Old Testament. Here's the traditions of the culture by which we've been grafted into as Gentiles, not Jews. That's all that means. Gentiles is to be not Jewish. To be grafted into God's family because God died for everybody. All of us. There is no separation anymore between Jew and Gentile or slave or free, or this nation or that nation, one nation under heaven, under God, one nation. And interesting, when we start to think about what one nation under God really looks like, we will honor this nation and the sacrifices that people have made for this nation. We will never stop doing that. We will pledge allegiance because God has asked us to. But we have this bigger nation in mind. We just have this, with the influence of God, we can see one nation under God as less like the United States and the American flag and more like this guy, right? This thing, one nation under God. The world is waiting. Fred Meyer Balloon Department didn't know they were going to be acting prophetically this morning, but guess what? The world is waiting. One nation, all the people under God. We talked about these festivals. Three times a year, the Jews would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world as far as they understood it. And every able-bodied Jewish male traveled to Jerusalem for the feasts and the festivals to offer sacrifices. There's a map. Zach, if you can put this map up, this is what it looked like. There's Jerusalem, right? The nations of Pentecost. Every nation. This was the world, kind of the idea of what the world was back then. This was the epicenter of where God's work started, right? So Acts 2.10 tells us that people came from all of these nations, all these places. Oh, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia. And Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, they would all gather three times a year for these festivals to offer sacrifices. The Jews began gathering for these festivals way back in the day. Way back in the day they began to gather for these festivals. In Leviticus 23, the Lord says to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These 
are my appointed festivals. Leviticus chapter 23, the Old Testament does apply to the New Testament. The appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. Leviticus 23, 1. So think about this. The Jews had been observing these feasts since the days of Moses, 1,400 years prior. Three times a year they went and they honored these feasts. When they started, Jerusalem wasn't even a thing. That wasn't the starting place, but they would gather. Eventually the temple would come. Eventually the city would come. But until it did, there was a tent and there was the tabernacle. And they would gather and celebrate the work of God in their history. Now, we can imagine together for a minute how celebrating a tradition for 1,400 years in a row might grow a tad bit stale. Can you imagine how doing something three times a year for 1,400 years might lose a little bit of its lack, its luster, its excitement? Because we've just we've done this before. We've done it over and over and over again. Let's investigate these feasts for a minute because Jesus did something pretty neat in the midst of all this. So the Passover feast, as declared, as set in place by the Lord in Moses in Leviticus 23, because they had already left. They were already out in the desert. The Passover feast celebrates the Israelites' conclusion of captivity in Egypt. Deliverance. That was what they were celebrating at the Passover feast. One of these feasts that they celebrated for 1,400 years. Interesting that when Jesus came in preparation for this feast, he was coming on Palm Sunday, the week leading up to the celebration of this feast. Interesting that the feast that celebrated deliverance for the Israelites in Egypt would be breathed on with new life, and Jesus would bring deliverance for all people for all time through the shedding of his blood, not just the blood of a lamb on a door. Right? Interesting how Jesus would breathe new life into some old tradition. Pentecost is the festival of weeks. That celebrates the harvest and the promised return of the Messiah. It was during this festival, which was 50 days, Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It was 10 days after he had ascended and gone up into heaven that the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, the second baptism of influence. The believers were gathered in Jerusalem. They were baptized with the Spirit, and God moved even closer. That's the message of Pentecost. He got even closer than he was. He used to be out there. Then he came, and he was with us in the person of Jesus. And then he was in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might do even greater works than he, is what the gospel says. He moved even closer. That is the feast of the weeks, the festival of the weeks in Pentecost. And then this feast of tabernacles. This is where we're going to spend a little bit more time today. This was a time of remembrance, commemorating God's goodness to the nation of Israel during their wanderings. That's why they celebrated the feast, the festival of tabernacle. To remember the time when they were just wandering around without, without guidance, without the influence of the Lord in their lives. It says that while these other feasts were just Weeks apart from each other, right? Pentecost. 
Passover, weeks apart, that this feast was on the other side of the calendar year. It was a popular, extremely popular celebration. It says that it was the most popular of the three feasts. It was rich in tradition, rich in symbolism. And the teachers of the law would come together and they would, they would, they would wander around with, with fruit and with palms. They would wander around with leafy branches symbolizing the different stages of their journey in the wilderness. That was the feast. It looked like that. They would, this was the gathering for seven days. They would do this. And I'll tell you this, there's nothing wrong with symbolism. There's nothing wrong with tradition. So long as it reminds us freshly of God's faithfulness and his desire to spur us on towards new life today. We can have traditions. We can gather here, but it better remind us of what we're doing tomorrow. Things were getting stale after 1,400 years. There was music and there was dancing. And during each day of the seven days of this feast, water was poured out next to the altar in remembrance of God's provision of dew in the desert. He provided water for them for 40 years in a dusty old desert. So for every day of the seven days of the feast, water would be poured out. These Jews gathered around from all over the world and they would recite Isaiah's song of praise that was found in Isaiah 12, verse 3. This is what it says. With joy you draw water up from wells of salvation for 1,400 years. Isaiah found himself somewhere in the middle of that. That was added to the tradition. Because Isaiah lived some 700 years, tradition was being added as they went. But for 1,400 years, even with the pouring out of water year after year, I would suggest spiritually that things were getting a little dusty for these people. You ever feel like your traditions and faith get dusty? Do you ever feel that way? I know I do. But we know that Jesus uses old traditions to bring about new revelation by the power of his Holy Spirit. For 1,400 years, Passover remembered the blood of a lamb, the temporary covering for sin. Jesus came into that tradition by the power of the Spirit in his own blood and brought forgiveness that would last forever. Interesting what he does with traditions. For 1,400 years of the festival of weeks, which remembered the provision of God at the time of the harvest, Jesus came by the power of the Holy Spirit and took up residence in a brand new temple. What temple? Us. All who would call on the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Interesting. Don't you know that He lives in you now? He lives in us now? Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have not received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. For 1,400 years, the festival of the tabernacles remembered this wandering around in the dust. For seven days, they remembered that by pouring out water that said God provided. John seven thirty-seven through 39 this is the moment. This is where all of this culminates to. At the festival of tabernacle, Jesus speaks to what would come on the day of Pentecost at the feast of weeks. 
all because of the work of the Passover. He draws these things together and it says, John 7:37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him would later receive. Streams of living water will flow from within them. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here we are in the Gospels. John seven thirty-seven. The best that I can tell, this is the 1,427th festival of tabernacles. That's the best that I can tell. There was the 1,427th time that this had happened. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we prepare. People were still fixated on the kind of water that would satisfy them temporarily. After 1,400 years, they were still thinking about, how can I get another drink? And Jesus takes an old, dusty tradition and washes it with living water like he did the other ones, that Jesus would be our Savior, that the Spirit would be the one who leads and fills us, and there would be a living water that would come. Streams of living water would come into old traditions and bring new life. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that living water would flow from us. When we ask the Lord to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, there's a whole bunch of stuff that can come. More than we have time to talk about today. But basically what we're saying is I don't want to live for me anymore. Everywhere I want to go, I want that place to come up a little bit different. I want life to come. I want people flocking to my side because they're thirsty for something that this world cannot satisfy. And we have it. In our unabashed praise to the king. We have it in our sitting with the poor in the prisons and on the streets. And with those suffering the impact of mental health challenges we have it streams of living water will flow from within us and it might take a while and if we're in it for some sort of crazy conversion right off the bat so that we can just say another person it's not it that cheapens relationship because jesus wants to transform people and it takes time and it takes being willing to get into the mess of their life and confess the mess of our life thank you very much april she she had to go somewhere else she's all right she's the church on monday already But to stand in front of a group of almost strangers three months ago and talk about the challenges of her life, that's relationship. That's the hope of the gospel. Jesus entered the religious practices of the day and breathed new life into them. Like a man from the dust, new and living expressions of faith came from the dust of traditions. The influence of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit makes all things new. So here's our challenge. As we worship, as we conclude our time together in praise, we got to confess that we have religious traditions. I confess that sometimes I get up and read this Bible because if I don't, I get further behind on my Bible reading plan. So I just read it. And then I feel like, oh good, I'm not bad anymore. (laughs) That's that The Lord's like, woo, let's pour some fresh power of the Spirit on that mess. Why don't you read it to get something out of it, Chris Pepler? Why don't you read it so you can love somebody better? Not so you got your A plus on your dumb little Bible app. You version. Dumb thing tells me it's behind, right? But it's got grace because you can catch yourself up. It's got a catch me up button. 
It doesn't mean don't go for it. It doesn't mean don't press in. But love our families because we're, not because we're supposed to or because the church will think we're bad if we don't, but love them because they're lovable, because they bear the image of Jesus. Care for the poor in prison because in their captivity we will find our own and they will set us free. I dare you to go and spend time in a jail and not be transformed by the inmate you sit with. Not possible. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is ask for it. As believers in Jesus, what are our religious practices? I want us to ask our individual selves, what am I doing right now that's just a little bit dusty? That's been going on for 1,427 years. Maybe not that long, but it feels like it. I just keep doing this. I just keep coming to church. I just keep reading my Bible. I just keep praying. I just keep doing good in the community. But there's no love in it. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. And the Bible itself says, so what if there isn't love in it? You could speak in the tongues of angels, but if it has no love, it's just a resounding gong. Love out of what Jesus has given us. That's why we come here to be filled up, sent out, wrung out, brought back. That's what we do. So we're going to ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit today. If you have no idea what we're talking about, come and talk to us afterwards. But all you're saying is Jesus is in me. I've confessed him as my Savior, but I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to die to my old self and be resurrected to new life and pour my life out. And God will give it to you. He gives good gifts to those who ask. And this is a non-selfish ask because all you're asking for right now is that he would wreck your life. That's all you're asking for. In a good way. Wreck your life in a really uncomfortable, inconvenient, good way. So when we ask, he enters. But there is an asking that's required. We have to invite him in. God is a gentleman. He will not go where he has not been invited. So invite him in fresh today. You can say, I did this already. Do it again. Not so that you're saved again, but that you're filled again. That your time in the Word, that your time in prayer, that your time in relationships is different. Because he's pouring fresh water on it. He came and he told the people, this is a new baptism. Streams of living water will flow from within you. So Lord, we want to make a better ask today. If you say that we will remain in you and you will remain in us, and if we do, we can ask for whatever we want. We want to ask for this community. We want to ask for people that are living in isolation. We want to, people that, we want to ask for people that are suffering the impact of mental illness. We want to be with people whose, whose parents have recently passed, who've gotten a cancer diagnosis, who don't know where to turn for their rent check. Lord, we want to ask that you would give us opportunity in all of those spaces, but not just for the stuff, for the transformed life that you give us in Jesus. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? In Jesus' name. Well, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that your spirit is present with us and able and ready and willing to fill. Lord, if there's anything in the way, standing in between the work that you want to do in us, Lord, we confess that to you. God, if we need to just find someone to, to pray with, to spend a little time with, to, to confess, to rejoice, to be in relationship with, Lord, we pray we would do that today. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that your spirit is ready and willing and able to move. Lord, we want to be a ready, willing, and able, welcoming people. 
would you do it according to your good pleasure? In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for coming. Happy Father's Day. Congratulations to our graduates. Have a great day. God bless you. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.